Okay, if you have your Bibles, please turn in them to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, the scripture we're going to be looking at today is in the bulletin on the inside back cover. There's a place to take notes there as well. Uh, we're going to be focused on verse 7 today, but we're going to read from verse 1 to catch the context. And so, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Friends, listen, this is God's word. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is God's word. <clears throat> so over these last few weeks, we've been seeing Paul encouraging Timothy to be the leader that God has called him to be. Right? He's used the illustrations. Have you seen these illustrations from the text in our graphic? Right? Soldier, athlete, and farmer. We've got the sword. We've got the wreath for the victor's crown. We have the hoe. Um, he's telling Timothy to stay focused on Jesus' mission, to live by Jesus' rules, and then to work hard if he expects to succeed and to see any fruit from his leadership. And as we've been watching Paul encourage Timothy, he's been encouraging us too. And so I want to take the time and ask how are you doing? How have you been doing? Are you becoming a leader that's worth following? Are you seeing any progress at all? Um, do you feel closer to God? Have your relationships with other people become more meaningful? We want to make sure we're not just hearing the word, but we're putting it into practice and we're doing it. Or are you just not progressing the way you'd like? You know, one of the main reasons why we don't make progress is because there's a gap. Okay, there's this gap. And sometimes it's helpful to talk about the gaps because God's word will help us fill those gaps. But the gap that I'm thinking of is the gap between being exposed to truth and being transformed by it. Right, you know that gap? We get exposed to truth often without it changing us, without it making any real impact on us. Um, and that happens because the truth doesn't make it into our heart where it can really change us. So there are things that you've heard or even things that you believe, but those things haven't made their way into your heart, so they don't affect you. And sometimes people call this the gap between the head and the heart, right? Some people have even said that there's 18 inches from, that the people are 18 inches from heaven. Right? Have you ever heard this? <clears throat> they know about God, but they don't trust him. It, it hasn't impacted the core of who they are, and so, um, so they fall short. But then there's also things that we start trying to do and that we can't keep up with, right? There's habits that we try to create or habits that we try to break, um, and after a short run, we fail, right? We end up back the way we were. And so this is the gap between the hand and the heart, right? You got the head and the heart, what you know doesn't change who you are, <clears throat> and then the hand and the heart gap is that we try to do something new, but it's not part of us. And so after a while, it fails. 
what's the deal with these gaps, <laughs> right? Why do we have these gaps? Um, just a few thoughts about why. Well, because number one, it's hard to actually change. To really change is difficult. Um, our efforts to change don't seem like they work. So we'll try something new and it doesn't seem to work, it doesn't seem to change us at all, and so we sort of give up. Um, it's just easy to choose our old ways, right? While we're trying to build new practices or trying to, to really live new, it's so easy just to be our old self. And then a lot of times, we sort of realize and we come to this conviction that it doesn't matter really, it doesn't matter if we don't change now, right? It's not a big deal, right? Our ticket to heaven's punched, we know where we're going, what difference does it make if we make any progress or not? And sometimes that keeps us um, with this gap. And then uh, I think the last thought, sometimes we're afraid of what might have to change if we're really serious. Now, Timothy was living in this gap. He had this gap. And he was a man who, frankly, was taking the easy way out. He was crumbling under pressure. And his gap was that he believed Jesus, but he didn't want to suffer for believing in Jesus. When Paul was around, Timothy looks as though he was a co-hero. But when Paul was gone, without Paul, Timothy became a coward became a coward. He crumbled in his fear of suffering. And so though he believed in Jesus, he didn't want to associate with Jesus if it meant suffering. And so Paul writes this letter to close that gap. Right? It's to wake Timothy up and to help him become the man God made him to be. But even Paul knew, even Paul knew that the truth that he was sharing with Timothy wasn't enough to close the gap. Okay, even Paul understood that all this glorious truth that he has been sharing with Timothy, it wasn't enough. It's not enough to close the gap. Paul knew that it wasn't enough for Timothy to read this letter. Timothy needed something more. And guess what? So do you. So do I. We need something more than just information. If you ask yourself, why don't things change in my life, why don't I make progress? Well, you need what Timothy needed, even if you might need it for different reasons. Okay? If you find people who have what Timothy needed, you want to follow them. Okay? You want to follow them. They are worth following. You want to imitate them. And Paul tells us what this is, what this missing piece is in verse 7. He says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And so what we see from this verse, this is the first blank in your outline, that we, leaders worth following balance doing with contemplation. Okay? Leaders worth following balance doing with contemplation. Okay, leaders who are worth following don't just do things. They actually know what they're doing. Okay? They know what they're doing because they take time to stop and to contemplate. And this is the key to transformation and to becoming someone who can lead others. And so today, as we look at this verse, we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how of contemplation. Okay? And so first, the what. Again, what is spend time with God and truth? Spend time with God and truth. This is what Paul says at the beginning of verse 7. 
or, or what he says here, he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He says, think over what I say. His application, Timothy, isn't get up and go do something. But he says, stop and think about what I've told you. Okay? Not get up, not go, not do, but stop. Stop and think. Contemplation is its full or deep consideration. And that's what contemplation means. It's full and deep consideration. It's reflecting. Um, in the biblical sense of the word, it's meditation. Although in our day and age, meditation means a lot of times thinking about nothing. In, in, in the Bible, when the Bible uses the term meditation, it means ruminating and thinking and chewing on the truth of God's word. Okay, that's what contemplation is. And so Paul is saying that, um, he's saying, stop and contemplate what I'm telling you. Good leaders do this. And for us, this also means, again, stopping and thinking. It means that in the busyness of our own lives, we have to take time to stop and contemplate truth and to do that in the presence of God. Okay, we need to stop and think in the presence of God of God. And so this involves obviously prayer, right? But it's more than that. Sometimes it's just thinking through things and being aware of who God is. Sometimes it's thinking out loud to God. <clears throat> what you're doing there is you're letting God, uh, you're looking for God to let the truth sink deep into your heart so that it becomes part of who you are. What's interesting is that God has, he's actually built the world so that we would know this. He's built the world in a way that even the rhythms of creation and the rhythms of the calendar reinforce this need to stop and contemplate. Okay, morning and evening. Right? Think about this. God made the world not so that the sun would be shining all day long. Right? He could have made either two suns both on either side, I mean, theoretically, right? I mean, you'd have to redo astrophysics and all that kind of stuff. But God could have made it so that the light was always shining, right? He could have made it so that there was never, ever any time of darkness, and yet he didn't. He didn't. He actually built the world before the fall, and it had a time of morning and evening, light and darkness. And I think this communicates to us, this is part of God's design for us to achieve this balance of doing and contemplation, right? The day is for work. The night is for rest and reflection. And so God wants us to stop and think about our days and reflect on them with him in prayerful contemplation, right? The rhythm of the day and the evening, the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning te teach us this. And then just more than every day, but the Sabbath, Right, think about the Sabbath, that one day in seven, God wants us to stop from all of our doing so that we can rest and worship him. Right? It made it into the top ten. Right? The fourth commandment um, says to rest. It calls us to stop and to think about what is true, what is most important, what is life really all about. I mean, even Jesus needed these times alone with God. Right? Countless times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see Jesus retreating so that he can get alone with God. 
There's times when Jesus says, man, more important to me than sleep right now is that I spend this time with God. And if Jesus needed it, who are we? So I think most of us know this, right? I think most of us know that we're supposed to do this, so why don't we? Why don't we? I think, again, if you consider the reasons for the gap, the same answers, right? It's hard to set this time aside. Right? It's easy to just choose to react to all of the things that need to get done. Also, if we're honest, there's times when we actually do this and nothing happens. Right? We go to God in prayer and we get nothing. And we think, man, I was hoping the heavens would open and the, the spirit would descend upon me like, like a dove and, you know, and, and there was no voice from the Lord. Right? And so literally we think, man, all right, I mean, maybe I'll take it a shot again tomorrow and then the next day and the next day. And you're like, you know what? This just isn't helping any. And so I think if we're honest, that's part of the reason. We don't have these life-changing experiences every time we do this and that discourages us. And then again, I think sometimes we think, yeah, well, you know, at some point I'll get better at that, but I don't have to do it now. And I think too, there are some of us who really have, there's a bit of a fear that if I begin to spend more time in the presence of God, there are things that are going on in my life that he is going to want me to deal with. And I don't want to deal with those things. So again, just trying to be honest about why we struggle, even knowing that this is something we should do, why we struggle to do it. But verse 7 it speaks to us powerfully and it calls us to push through these obstacles. Okay, and so our second point, uh, beyond spending time with God and truth, why do we do it? It's because truth plus God equals transformation. Okay, why should you spend time with God and truth? It's because truth plus God equals transformation. This is the promise of verse 7. Right? Think over what I say. For, because the Lord will give you understanding in everything. If you think over what God says, He will give you understanding in everything. So this is how, this is how God shows up in our lives. Okay, this is one of the ways God shows up in our lives. Right, let me give you some other verses that talk about this. 1 John 2.27, it says, The anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So the anointing, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the anointing that you receive when you become a Christian. When you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus gives you, part of his work in you is that he gives you the Holy Spirit. And this anointing of the Holy Spirit teaches you, teaches you about everything. And what's interesting about this verse is that it says that because you have this Spirit and the Holy Spirit teaches you, abide in him. So it doesn't say since the Holy Spirit teaches you all things, you don't need to do anything. It says, because you have the Spirit, and because the Spirit will teach you all things, abide in Him. 
What does abide in him mean? Spend time with God and truth. <laughs> you spend time with God, he will teach you these things. Then John 17, 17, I like this one, just simple. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. So to be sanctified, this means to look more like Jesus, to increasingly mature in your life. How do you grow? Jesus says, in the truth, in God's word, God's truth is uh, what sanctifies us, it transforms us. And then just one more, Romans 12, 2, says, do not be conformed to this world, don't be like the world around you in the ways that it's fallen and sinful, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you see, the Bible is really clear that what we know is the key to us being transformed. What we learn about Jesus, what we learn about the gospel is what God uses. It's what God uses to transform us. We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so when we spend time with truth and God, it brings transformation. Now, Paul knew this. <clears throat> he understood this because he's He's teaching this in Romans 12. He's saying this in verse 7. But this characterized all of Paul's communication. Paul knew that even though he was an apostle, even though his teaching at times was inspired by God and was without error, and he was literally being carried on, carried along by the Holy Spirit as he wrote the words of God, he knew that his teaching wasn't enough to transform. Okay? He knew his teaching wasn't enough to transform. In the book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, he actually shows that he has these convictions that words aren't enough. If you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, that's great. You'll know, understand exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, that's okay too. Because Paul says in chapter 1, verse 3, after he says hello, he goes off. And he starts talking and going, I mean, he's going crazy listing the blessings of our salvation. And he starts by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He says every blessing God has in heaven to give, he has given to us as people who believe in Jesus. And then he begins to list off those blessings. Just as he chose us in him before that, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons. We are redeemed by his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. It's like one giant breath. And when he's done, what's amazing is that when he's done, do you know what he does? He prays. After teaching people all of the blessings that belong to them, that come to them from Jesus and their salvation, he prays. He prays. Look at this. Verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What are you praying for, Paul? Well, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So what's Paul doing here? Well, he's saying, like, after teaching them, Paul prays that they would have understanding. He says, I want you to have understanding. I want you to understand what I'm teaching. 
I want this not to stay up here, but I want this to sink into the core of your being. And the only way that can happen is if you take the truth into the presence of God. Take the truth into the presence of God. And this is exactly what he's saying in verse 7 to Timothy. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Truth by itself does nothing but make you proud. Truth by itself makes you arrogant. Truth by itself makes you obnoxious. Truth by itself makes you hypocritical. But truth plus God equals transformation. And Paul does this throughout his writings. He does it again in Ephesians 3. You can look that up. It's amazing. It's like Paul knows. <laughs> it's like, he, I don't know, there's some alarm that goes off in him as he's writing Ephesians. And he's like, okay, I've taught you all this stuff. Man, God, you've got to do your part. I've done my part. Now, God, you have to do your part. So there's two major implications of this within this point of God plus truth equals transformation. Um, first, we've already talked about is that truth by itself can't transform. The truth needs God. Okay, the second implication of this um, is that if you stop and you contemplate truth in the presence of God, you don't just get truth, you get God. Okay? If you take the truth of God's word and spend time in the presence of God with it, thinking about it, talking to God about it, asking God, what does this mean? Saying to God, God, I think this is what it means. It sounds to me like this is what you're saying. It sounds like this is how this might work out in my life, right? When you do that, you actually get the presence of God. This changed my life in a significant way three years ago um, as I was learning how to listen to God in prayer, as I was learning how to stop and to really hear God speak using his word. I mean, I never heard audible voices, but, um, but hearing God speak to me through his word um, because what I realized was that, <laughs> and this is so, uh, this has been revolutionary for me because I realized that, that there are all these truths that the Bible teaches and some of these truths are amazing. Right? Some of these truths are compelling, they're transforming, and yet behind every truth that is spoken to us in the Word, there is a God, a personal God who spoke that truth. Okay, let me, let me give you a for instance. The good news of the Gospel isn't just a truth about forgiveness and acceptance and the power to grow. Okay, the Gospel, the good news of the Gospel is about a personal relationship with God who forgives and accepts and who gives you the strength to grow. Do you understand the difference? Like in one, you can spend all your time and energy understanding justification, which if you do that, man, it can really revolutionize your life. But when you realize that the truth about justification means that the God that we worship is a God who justifies you, now it's personal. Now the God who came in Jesus cares so much about you that he wants you to know that you are forgiven. That no matter what you've done, 
he accepts you because of the perfect life of Jesus gifted to you. That Jesus on the cross was God reconciling the world to himself, was bringing us back to him. And so there's a personal God behind the truth. Right? There's a personal God who actually speaks the truth. And so truth is more than ideas. It's more than commands. Truth is having a personal relationship with the living God who came near in Jesus and who loves you more than you can imagine. It's when you, it's when you spend time with the truth in God's presence that that transformation begins to happen. Because I know so many of you aren't Sometimes, like, we're not, uh, we feel afraid to believe that God really does love us. Like, we think, yeah, God could love sinners. God might even love the world, but not us. Not after what I've done. But when you spend time with the truth in God's presence, you can say, God, do you mean me? Really? Like, this is for me? And Jesus is there saying, yes, yes, yes. This is why we need to overcome the excuses, right? This is why we need to overcome the distractions and the barriers to spending time with truth in God. Do you really not have time? Like, really? Do you really not have time? Do you really want to choose the old habits rather than spending time with God? Get the promise in this verse. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is promise. Now, this doesn't mean that today, right after the service, as you ward off all the people coming to say hello because you want to spend time with God right now, that all of a sudden God is going to speak to you and answer all the questions that you've ever had in your whole life. Okay, that's not what it means. Um, one of the things that God helps us understand, sometimes at the beginning of our process of growing in our understanding, um, is that God says, look, what I want you to know more than anything else is that the key to your life is an ongoing, consistent relationship with me. Okay? Before we answer your questions, I just, I want you to know that what's really best for you is just to consistently spend time with me. And so, I don't want you to think that if you're not getting answers, then it's not working. But let me just say that if you spend time with me, over time, man, you'll be transformed. It doesn't all happen overnight, okay? It doesn't all happen overnight. So let's talk more. <clears throat> We've talked about the what and the why. Our last point um, is the how. How do we do this? Well, personally and in community, okay? Personally and in community. All right, if you're ready for this, how do you do it? How do you bring God and truth together? How do you spend time with God and truth both personally and in community. So you want to go to God personally. You want to take time each day to bring God and truth together. 
And I would say you should devote a larger portion of time on Sundays so that you can contemplate truth, so you can think about God, so you can think about what's really important to you, so you can think about who you care about, so you can think about the week that has come and gone, so you can think about the week that is still to come. Right? You want to take time and think over what God says. Because as you do this, he'll teach you things. When you begin to have a daily rhythm with God, things will happen in your life with him. When you begin to take time on a weekly basis to sort of get out, um, Michael Posey calls it getting off of the dance floor and up on the balcony. You know, where we spend so much time doing, 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 doing. It's so important for us to get off the stage or off the platform or off the dance floor and get up and look and see, hey, what really is going on in our lives? Like, what really am I doing? What are my priorities? What is important to me? Am I making progress? And you can just ask yourself those questions, I mean, with God. God, I'd like to spend some time thinking about my week. Um, here are the things that I thought were important. Here are the things that I wish I'd gotten done but didn't. Can you help me have understanding so that this week can be better? Right? I think one of the best tools that can help you with this um, is city Bible reading. City Bible reading is our church-wide Bible reading program. Um, it's got a plan to read the Bible um, in the New Testament every year, the Old Testament every three years. Um, but it's more than just a Bible reading plan. Um, it's also a method to make sure that when you read, you worship God. That you don't just read the truth of his word, but you bring his presence into the process. Right? City Bible reading teaches us to pray through, um, to bring truth and God together through the acrostic acts. And if you've been around, you've heard me talk about this, but, but hear me again now and see if what I say now might add something to your understanding of the ACTS process. Okay? Um, A is adoration. Uh, this is where we tell God how amazing he is, how wonderful he is. This is where we worship God for, his, for, what he's, for who he is and what he does. Right? If you look at this verse, verse 7, where it says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Like, how would we adore God in this passage? Right? Because it's important not just to know, hey, I need to think about this, but it's important for me to worship the God who authored this verse. Right? And so adoration would mean, God, you are the God who takes us beyond information and you give us understanding. God, you are the one who can actually cause us to grow. And so God, you are the God of growth. You are the God of transformation. You are the God of hope. Right? You want us to be changed by your word to be renewed and transformed. Right? That's what it means to adore God. That you look up in heaven and say, God, thank you. I mean, you are this amazing God. Right? This is who you are. And then the C in Acts is confession. Right? We can, from this verse, this is where we confess our sins, um, the sins that come to mind as we're praying. Um, for this, we can say, God, I confess that I miss this. I, I don't stop and think. Are you with me? Right? I, 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 I neglect your word. And then even when I read your word, sometimes I'm in such a hurry, I just want to get done with the chapter so that I can go on with the rest of my day. And I don't actually spend any time with you. God, I confess that. 
confess that. I know that I need to stop, and I don't. Please forgive me. And then thanksgiving. The T is thanksgiving. We can thank, it's not just general thanksgiving, because we do in adoration, but this is thanksgiving specifically for our salvation. Right, so you're saying, Jesus, thank you that when you lived on this earth, Jesus, thank you that you had a hunger for God's word and you showed us what a life that brings truth and God together can look like. Because Jesus, you hungered for God's word more than food, more than anything else. You quoted the scriptures to battle the devil. Jesus, thank you that you knew all the answers. Right, you knew the answers because you knew the Bible and you knew the God who inspired the Bible. Right? You ever wonder why, how Jesus had all the answers? Well, it's because he knew God. It wasn't just about what's the right answer. It was about who is God in light of what this question is really about. Right? And so Jesus, thank you for showing us how it's done. Right? Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. That's one of the works of Christ in us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who speaks to us and teaches us your word. Right? So this is thanksgiving. And then finally, it's supplication, where we ask the Holy Spirit to transform us. Right? Now that we're in God's presence, now that we've adored and confessed and thanked Jesus for salvation, now we say, Spirit, change us. Transform us. And so for this, Spirit, make us people who stop and think in your presence. Spirit, give me the strength and the wisdom to be able to stop um, and to spend time with you and your truth Change me so that I can be a person who's devoted to your word. So, this is what it can look like personally, where you're just spending time, and it doesn't take a huge amount of time, right? I don't want to set the bar super low, but you can have a really meaningful encounter with God in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. What would your life be like over the course of this next week if you were able to meet God for 15 minutes every day? What would be different? I mean, what would it be like for you to enter into your day knowing, man, I got to spend time with God this morning? So if you don't have one of these CBR journals, um, you can get them. I think they're on the back info table. We charge five bucks for them, but if that's a problem, you can... You don't have to pay. Um, and if you have questions about this, we review a lot of our life groups do a city Bible reading exercise once a month just so that we can learn how to do it together. Um, oh yeah, and that's the other thing, right? You want to do this personally, but you also want to do it in community. Right? We recognize that, um, that our ability to meet God, our ability to grow in our relationship with Him, our ability to bring truth and God together by ourselves grows exponentially when we also do it with others. Okay? Some of you are hearing what I'm saying and you're like, yeah, I could totally do that. Some of you are hearing what I'm saying going, man, I really wish someone would show me how to do that because I don't, when I try, it doesn't work. If you're there, then grab someone else and say, hey, could you do this with me? I just want to learn how to do it better. We need to do this in community. Right? Coming to church on Sunday where we get to interact with each other. Going to life group during the week. Being focused on making disciples or being a disciple of someone else who's either you're pouring into someone else or they're pouring into you. Right? When we learn together, when we share what we've learned, 
when we learn what other people are learning, man, the truth takes on a life of its own. We learn so much more. We learn so much faster. God shows up when we're together with other people. I mean, isn't it easier sometimes to learn about God when you're talking to somebody else than when you're by yourself? I get that. If that's true, then it's okay if your community time trumps your individual personal time. Like, that's okay. But one of the goals that you want to have in your time with others is, like, I want to learn how to do this by myself also so that God can speak to me personally. When we see God in each other, we get changed by each other. And there's just joy of knowing when somebody else knows what you know, then you, like, you're more incented to do it. There's accountability. There's all those kinds of things that are blessings of doing this in community. And so Paul is telling Timothy, look, you need to stop and contemplate. Right? You need to stop, think over what I've said, and God will give you understanding. And so for us, this passage is, is reminding us that leaders, right, if you know people who do this, they are worth following, aren't they? When you know people who are hearing from God, they're not perfect, and they're not hearing God speak. You know, I'm not talking about that, right? I'm saying they're letting God speak to them through his word. I mean, some people feel like they hear his voice, and as long as what they're hearing is consistent with the scriptures, it's, it's probably okay. Um, but when people, when you know people who are learning from God's word, who have a growing relationship with God, they're worth following, right? They have something um, that's worth imitating. And so this is what Paul wants for Timothy. This is what God wants for you. This is what I want as your pastor. This is what I want for you. I want you to get to a place where through your own contemplation, your time with God, you're able to help someone else to grow into this. And I know that I know the obstacles, right? We've talked about those obstacles. I know that for some of you, this is going to be like a new start into this. Okay, I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> it's, it's going to be real. It's going to be real this time. Um, and I was reading this article this week about the, the challenges that we have in trying to grow or trying to change. And this is, I'm just going to read you a quote or two from this article. It says this, this in the first stage of your journey to achieve any goal, God confronts you with this question. How bad do you want it? Like, how bad do you really want to grow in this area? He went on to say this, the difficulties to make progress are actually an expression of love from God. So the reason it's hard is actually part of God loving you. What do you mean? Well, then there's this quote from Thomas Paine. He said this, Thomas Paine said, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. He said, what we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. God is out to make heroes of us all. And an easy path paved with gold, where there are no potholes to stumble over and no mountains to climb, where all doors fling wide open, where the storms pass over us, that path makes us weak, spineless, and whiny victims who feel entitled to everything going our way. It's like, man, where was that quote during the suffering series? <laughs> right? It was waiting to come back and hit us again. 
Joseph Campbell, in his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, said this, the hero who engages in mission and succeeds in becoming a true hero comes back from a challenge with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. That's what God wants for you. God wants you to be so strong that you have the power to lead and influence others. And so this will be difficult. There will be opposition. There will be obstacles. If you set it as a goal and seek to bring truth and God together consistently in your life. Um, but isn't it just like the gospel? Isn't it just like the gospel to get us going by telling us first to stop and contemplate? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come again and in a fresh way we confess that we have not uh, lived our lives in this way. That in so many ways we fail to spend time with you and the truth. We confess that we have shortchanged our time with you. And we have allowed so many other things to become more important to us than that. When we think about it, we know how silly that is. We know how foolish it is. And so we confess our foolishness. We confess our silliness. And God, we thank you for this strong promise that as we think over what you say to us, that you will give us understanding. And so I pray, God, that this week, as we spend time with you and the truth personally and with others, will you please give us this understanding? We're going to pray the way Paul prayed in other places in Ephesians. Lord, open up the eyes of our hearts. Give us understanding. Give us the ability to know you better and to understand your truth so that it would transform us. Remind us of who we are as your forgiven and accepted children. Remind us of what you've given us in the power of your Holy Spirit, in all that you have done to make us new creatures. Oh, Jesus, help us to see that you are in us, that you are with us. And we pray this, we pray this so that you would be honored by our lives. The transformation we're looking for isn't just to make us something different, but it's to make you uh, worshipped. It's to, it's to give you glory. It's to love you the way you deserve to be loved and to help others to know you too. And then, Jesus, there are those here who don't know you yet. And we pray that you would help them to see and that you would make the connection in their hearts and give them understanding that when they follow you, these blessings will begin to fill their lives. Help them to commit to you. And God, this week, this week for all of us, let us spend time with you in the truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.